Welcome to episode 296 of the No Proscenium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro headquarters, aka the kitchen table here in Los Angeles. This week on the show, we visit elsewhere at the Madcap Motel in the Arts District of downtown Los Angeles. That's right, it's our first in-person interview. In over a year, we are very excited to have a Paige Solomon, the CEO and creative director, and Claire Chappelle, director of theatrical experience from Madcap Motel, as our guests uh, right there in the atrium of the motel. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're back. We're back. We're back to normal. Well, we're not back to normal. We're back to quasi-normal. Um, it, it means a lot to be back in the field and, um, and getting things done in the old fashioned way. Uh, cause, uh, interview is just so much better when you can look your interviewee in the eyes. That's not the only thing going on at NoPro, uh, this week. However, the podcast isn't the only thing that's going on. Um, in fact, the podcast isn't the only podcast that's going on. If you go one stop back in the feed, you will find the audio of the forum we held this week with Corinne Wicks and her collaborators at Willing Company. Uh, this was part of the Crafting Immersive series of columns uh, that Corinne did for us uh, and culminated in the forum. We had some folks show up and you know discuss sort of the, the ideas inside that. Um, this was the first one of these we did, so it was an experiment. Uh, we'll experiment some more uh, going forward, so look for some more forums in the future, although we've got a couple other experiments um, that are going to hit the hit the fire first. But uh, we've put that up in the podcast feed for free. Uh, the video of it will also upload. Uh, and for those of you who are waiting on the Spring Fling videos, those are also going to be uploading soon. I just have to have the time to upload <laughs> Really is like actually the videos I gotta like look and see them. I have to do some cleanup, so um, that's that I have to break things up. Post production, it takes time. You gotta set aside the time for it, particularly with video. It's a thing, and all of this is just me. So well, not all of it, but all of all of the post production stuff is just me. So there you go. Um, you will also, those of you who are backers of our Patreon, which we could really use a hand with, uh, will find this week's recording of the review crew in that feed. That's the Patreon exclusive feed. This week, some great special guests, Todd Martins of the LA Times, Lisa and David Spira of Room Escape Artist, and our friend Juliet Bennett Ryla, uh, who is working for a, a big publication these days, a big digital publication. Um, the hustle, uh, uh, all, I, I didn't know if I was going to say or not. Cause she's like, well, they may not want me, you know, out there blasting about like these wacky adventures. But anyway, uh, she mentioned on the, I remembered she mentioned on the recording. So Juliet's at the hustle these days. Anyway, that is up in the Patreon backer feed and it only costs $2 a month to get access to all the bonus stuff. So, uh, if you're interested, please patreon.com slash no proscenium. Uh, you'll 
also uh, find uh, the call sheets going up today. There's submission deadlines galore that should hit before this hits uh, the feed. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this post production this and then get the call sheet out and then get this out. So that's your Friday. No newsletter this week because the LA and New York newsletters are coming back next week, kicking us off uh, as we shift into uh, the the new ish normalish uh going forward um as i've oh and here's the important thing if you have an event or experience you want the no pro review crew to cover please reach out to us at pitches at no uh, if you've got listings you want to have in the newsletter please go to everything immersive.com and plug things in there uh, starting next week, we're going to have uh, a, a post on the site that details uh, goes into a lot more detail than that. But those are the, the that's the core of it. That's the core of it. Uh, and yeah, uh, as I mentioned, no new backers uh, this week. Actually, I didn't mention. Now I'm telling you, no new backers this week on the Patreon. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, the, there's a little bit of slippage. Uh, another two folks have, have punched out. Um, it's no joke. The, the Patreon is our lifeline, and um, uh, if it keeps going down, then we go away. Simple as that. Uh, really as simple as that. <laughs> I'm trying to be upbeat about it. Um, so if you're not a backer, uh, if you've been a backer in the past, uh, I, I definitely know everything's tight for everybody right now, uh, particularly down here on this side of the income inequality divide. Uh, but perhaps you're on the other side, and uh, or perhaps things are stable for you. Uh, this is not a request for people to up their pledge. I don't want people, I really don't want people doing that. Uh, what we want to do is expand the pool. So the thing that actually, if you are already a backer and you're like, oh, oh man, uh, what more can I do? Please share what we do on social media, even if you're not a big social media sharer. Like I know uh, it feels ridiculous to ask. I find it ridiculous to ask. But honestly, uh, the alternative is that we took a gamble and we give a bunch of money to like Facebook via Instagram uh, or like Twitter and hope that people click on our stuff. And um, that that feels like a really dumb gamble, just to be perfectly honest. Um, we might we might try it. We may try it. Seems to work for some folks, but uh, I'm highly reluctant to to do that when we could activate our audience. You are audience, so please, we could use your help. Uh, particularly help spread the rundown. Uh, that's the best thing. All right, enough plugging. Um, it's awkward for everyone. Thank you for helping us, uh, those of you who do. And uh, we want to give a big shout out, as always, to our sustaining backers. They are Ari Hurston, Brittany, Elaine, Emily Gillette, Lonnie Hanson, Paul F., Mark Baltazar, Samuel Mustry, Sidney Guillory, and Jan Budman. All right. And now, at long last, after forever and a day, and then a couple of more weeks for good measure, our first in-person interview of 2021 with Paige Solomon and Claire Chappelle. Let's get into it. talking about ourselves here at the madcap motel it's <laughs> a great opener <laughs> um let's let's id your voices we're, we're recording now so uh the first voice you heard that was this is Paige. and the second voice you heard was i'm claire and the sound you hear over here 
is the water feature inside the atrium at the Madcap Motel. I don't know if you actually hear that. I hear it very strongly because I got one ear outside of my headphones. And this is the first, this is actually, this is momentous. This is the first in-person interview we've done at NoPro in like a year. I haven't looked at anyone while doing the podcast. We're honored. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, I'm glad because, you know, you guys, you guys survive. So for those who don't know, and Paige, you'll, you'll be the one to field this, um, for those who don't know, what is Madcap? What is Elsewhere at the Madcap Motel? Elsewhere at the Madcap Motel is an immersive experience uh, that takes place in downtown Los Angeles at a once abandoned 1960s motel that has now been fully restored. And the entire motel centers around our main character and motelier, J.P. Sando whose family thought he just disappeared in the 1960s, but instead he's actually been uh, mm, happily trapped behind the walls of 433, Motel Room 433. Uh, And he finally, in 2019, figured out a way to get postcards to his family through an interdimensional time-traveling mailbox. Uh, And he invited his family to come back to the motel, get it open, and open the portal to elsewhere. And so that is what guests check into. All right. And and the the motel was slated to open in 2020 because JP's family (laughs) got on it. But uh, but then there were other plans. So for those who don't know, tell everyone... (laughs) <laughs> for That's those who don't know, no, if no, someone no. doesn't know what happened in March 2020. <laughs> well, no, no, no. But like for, for you guys, like oh. how close it was. Because it oh. was it yeah. was like the night. You guys, yeah. We opened uh, on March 11th, 2020 for friends and family. Uh, we all went to bed on cloud nine that night. I woke up the next day. I had, I had family flying in town because we had, you know, we, Claire had been working on the project probably over a year at that point or close to a year at that point I had been you know building not just elsewhere but just my experiential company since 2017 so this you know elsewhere at the Madcap Motel was a big project and so I had family in in town and um, so March 11th was friends and family March 12th woke up to go and bring breakfast foods to my family who was staying on Airbnb and I walked into the Trader Joe's in Silver Lake and it it was literally a war movie. People were stealing each other's carts. Their shelves were empty. People were screaming. Like it was, I, I really thought I was in a disaster movie. And it was rainy that day. And then Mike, our operations guy, calls. And he's like, so the PR team called. And they're really strongly advising to not have tonight's event. And I was like, I don't care what has to happen. We're opening. Like I can't call investors after, you know, months of setbacks just from the city of LA alone. This was like pre-pandemic we were so set back and over budget and um i was like we're just gonna do this and then about an hour later newsome got on and was like (laughs) no large gatherings of any kind so that was how uh, the cookie crumbled i remember at 10 a.m i got a call about finding tents for the rain and at (laughs) noon everything was canceled forever (laughs) it was like the matter of half a day and and for those who aren't in california that was also like the day if memory serves that the nba called it so like that was that was that week. That was the week. The NBA actually called it off that night because I had friends mm. that came 
to the friends and family on March 11th and I went up to um, hug one of my friend's husbands actually and he wouldn't hug me mm. and I was like what because we by the way like we had been working in a wormhole like we were truly trapped inside this motel for 20 hours a day for like weeks. six weeks leading up to it so like we knew COVID was a thing but we weren't reading the news we weren't watching the news we were kind of just like oh, okay it's this thing that's happening in China and it's bad but nothing ever bad happens nothing ever bad happens in the u.s like trump is gonna save us all like <laughs> i don't know why if we thought that but i did think like it i just thought it wasn't gonna affect us i did i did think it, that the bureaucrats were going like like someone was at you know there, there's someone with their hand on the till like mm-hmm. you know the cdc they'll take that seriously but yeah like but anyway to finish the story my friend's husband walks in he won't hug me i'm like what are you you're serious right now and then yeah and then he was like the nba just canceled like I, this is serious and i was like cool i'm gonna keep drinking champagne and just celebrate the last 12 hours i get to live before world war z breaks out yeah. tom hanks got it that day too yeah, tom, yeah. like everything was, was crashing that day and we were too focused i don't want to say too focused to care we were too focused to like not be in denial like we had no other way to live through it but to be in denial that elsewhere was going to happen and madcap was going to happen and if we had just had a conversation that week and read CNN we would have all known yeah it's all coming down oh i mean i i i remember every like minute of march and it was like we canceled the summit i think like the tuesday before the thursday and it was it was only because we were starting to get like back channel not only because but like we were starting to get back channel word that um you know the word was going to come down from the health departments like anyway Mm -hmm. and it was like there was a bit of like all let's let's get ahead of this but there was definitely also like even just a week before i mean things were moving so fast then even just a week before like we were talking in the venue and we were like so like we got to keep an eye on this thing like this could upend everything but there were people coming in from Italy and Italy at that point was like a total was was really like kind of like the big place in in, in the West. Anyway, that was a year ago. <laughs> That's <laughs> the old word. Year. year and change. Yeah. Um but now we're here. Now we're inside. We're here. We're inside. I didn't think we'd ever get to say that. I mean there was really times where there were some dark moments. Yeah. Like <laughs> There was really times where I was like, cool, that was fun. We should all take some pictures and video and put it on some portfolios because no one's ever going to, like, really. So let's let's actually, before we get into the now and the moment, um, let's stretch back to before. So you you were doing experiential. You had you had an installation in New York before this. So I wonder if you could kind of give the... The, the roadmap here and then like when Claire got involved and kind of like mm-hmm. kind of this whole idea of like mixing theater people in into into the mix well so a little bit of backstory Claire and I met before either of us were doing what we're doing today and ultimately what I think both of what we want our career paths yes. to be confirmed <laughs> yeah we actually met at um we worked at a tech startup together that was started by a girl we went to well you went to high school with her I knew her as a family friend but growing up in Miami I didn't know Claire but we had this mutual friend and we ended up in our early 20s working at literally the worst job I've ever had um they've since gone under because they were just not good people and I do believe in karma of being a just if you're a good person your business will do well 
Anyway, that's a that's a separate podcast. Yeah. Or you got to become a very good grifter, and then your pod, your your business will do amazing. Exactly. So anyway, so Claire and I met, and then you know I think we like stayed like Facebook connected or whatever, but we weren't like friends. Um, and then so I went on to I finally got a job in New York doing uh, creative strategy for a company that put on consumer activations for brands. So if Uber or Netflix or Sony was doing some launch event, I would come up with what's the best physical representation in a 3D space to get as many consumers as possible taking pictures or interacting with their product. And during my time there, there was the Museum of Ice Cream that had just come out and it was sold out all the time and it was just this crazy you know it was really like the zeitgeist of the time where these instagram pop-ups and i thought it was really interesting that instead of uh going after brands for money you raise money you sell a ticket and you can just make these shareable photographable worlds so in 2018 i raised some money with my then boss we launched dream machine which was you know i'm I don't like to sound uh, egotistical, but it was very successful. And um, that boss, uh, who was then my business partner, he ended up, uh, you know, getting into some personal troubles. And so we were coming out to L.A. to do Dream Machine, which was, again, just like an Instagram pop up. And once uh, that business basically dissolved because of his personal stuff going on, uh, I still wanted to do it. I still wanted to create a space, but I wanted to create a space that meant more than just a pretty photo. And so we talked a lot about how that could happen and, you know, what does that actually mean? And um, we came up with this idea of this storyline and this like alternate dimension inside this portal at this motel and, uh, first we thought that it was just going to be like, you know, just like brand ambassadors dressed as like motel staff, which we do have today. That is actually how it ended up. But then we were like, well, how do we actually tell this whole storyline that we've written? And, and we wrote the storyline mostly to guide what the visuals of the motel looked like to give purpose of, you know, what, what exists behind door 622 or what's behind door 321. That was all storyline based, but then when we actually thought about getting the story together, I was like, well, we need to hire actors. Well, how do we hire, you know, it was like all these questions where we kind of were just like, oh, that's, yeah, we'll just bring some actors in. Like, it was seriously just like an add-on idea. And then I remember when I had moved to LA, Claire and I had met like two or three times for coffee, and so after we were like, oh yeah, I, I know a girl. I, I know this girl, Claire, she does immersive theater. I'm sure she can hire an entire like cast of 40 people and train them and all, you know all the things I was just like yeah that's fine that's an easy project so I called Claire I said do you want to get coffee and she said yeah and I sat her down and I said Claire can you lead the theater department at the Madcap Motel and I'll let her take it from here because man was I foolish <laughs> to think it was like this small job all right so let's let's rewind the tape on you Claire because yeah. like you uh I think the first time I saw you perform or encountered you in performance was as part of the Kansas collection for Speakeasy, right? Or was there something before that? Or maybe it was in, was it, it was, it was something with Speakeasy, wasn't it? Yes. So my introduction to immersive theater was Speakeasy Society in 2014, um, exclusively as a performer. Uh, Matthew, one of the artistic directors, was actually my camp counselor. <laughs> what? <laughs> when I was 13. 
what? Yeah, it's a good story. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So okay. he was uh, my theater teacher when I was 13, and I still thought I wanted to do musicals, which he still gives me a hard time for. Hopefully he <laughs> listens to this. Um, but he got me involved in immersive, which I took a huge, you know, I, it's a passion of mine now. Um, so I credit them for that. But So 2014, so what was that? It was Ebenezer. Ebenezer. Yeah. yeah. The, the original version of that, which was at... Golden um, Road. Yeah. Yeah, Golden Road Pub, it's which was so, so fun. It's such a cool little spot. It's yeah. a very cool spot. I, I Y'all hope. are nerding out right now, <laughs> but I love it. If you well. haven't seen this spot, it's fantastic. It's a really great place for, like, Golden Road Brewery has this secret club called, uh, what the heck is it called? I think it might even be called Claire's. There's, it's got a name. It's got a, it's got a woman's name. Um, I and, should know this. I don't. And it's just this spot that's like just to the left of the bar when you go, cause golden was this big warehouse brewery set up, right? You know, just massive eatery, but you go in there and then there's this little English pub. Everything on the inside is this fully decked out English pub, two stories, multiple rooms, meeting rooms. You can, you can book it out special, uh, for, for meetings, but they've also done a fair number, not a fair number, but they've done a few theater pieces in there. And Ebenezer, was one of those yeah it was a very cool introduction to the world um and you know the amazing performers that there are in LA I mean there are people from that show who are on our staff now that I met back then which is you know wonderful and sorry to interrupt, very fulfilling but this goes to my like good person back to my good person comment like your whole life is spent kind of collecting people and people that you want in your corner and people that you can call and you know like if I scratch your back you'll scratch mine because when Claire first came on you know it's like I need this help and you were doing so many things above and beyond but like you you never know like in 2014 as a camp counselor whatever like you just never know who you're coming in contact with and so like I feel lucky that Claire and I were nice to each other when we worked together and then like you know you just don't know six years later who you're gonna need to call yeah yeah, I would have never guessed that that show would have brought me to what I'm doing now. Um, and being in more of a coordinator, producer, director, it's a, it's a bit of a mashup in terms of the position. But I love it. I'm very grateful. <laughs> so what and what? So it's a bit of a mashup. But let's let's tell this story. Like mm-hmm. how 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 did this evolve? How did you you bring these people in? When when did you sort of when, when, you know, how much of it was like, you know, getting Paige Anderson, okay, no, we're going to do this. This is what we're going to do. Yes, absolutely. Initially, um, I don't think either of us knew what it would take, um, myself included, but we did start out small. It was going to be, I thought Claire was going to, (laughs) she's not giving herself credit. I seriously asked Claire to write this script to hire the people, to train the actors, to costume design, to like, I just thought she was going to be a one woman show and it wasn't going to be that, that, it wasn't that much work. And yeah. she was like, cool, I need and about I like, 10 yeah. people helping me, you know, but you did for like weeks, you acted like you could handle, like she wanted the opportunity so badly and I didn't really know what it would take. And so I think there was like, we uh, learned together. Yeah, we learned together. <laughs> but I think there was like a few weeks where like, you just wanted to say yes to me. And then I think finally I was like, wait, Claire, can you do this all? And she was like, no, I'm drowning. But like, I didn't want to say anything. Well, we learned, I think the initial pitch was if you're going to hire staff anyway, I know all these wonderful immersive actors in LA who have this incredible skill set. You would have 
the staff of the motel, but they'll also be building the world. And that was a really simple concept, something that I can't take credit for. Many people have done it. Um, but the narrative piece grew and grew and we realized we had to separate them from the operational staff. So then it, we're talking about two big staffs and the staff of actors who want to both be creatively engaged and also are kind of working a, not a survival job, but they have regular shifts and you know hourly pay and things like that, which um, is, I think is a little different from signing up for like a three month run of a show. Yeah. So how to distinguish that as well? Well, and I mean, that's in some ways talking about going back to like 2014 and 2015, looking at the idea of a permanent installation where there can be, and that's, that's one of the things, right? Like we've had these Instagram, we've had Instagram palaces, we've had shows like Sleep No More at the McKittrick and they're very, very different beasts in that, yes, the McKittrick is a regular show, you know, they're getting they're getting their weekly rate, however that goes. But then you look over at, say, you know, something like the Museum of Ice Cream, people might be attendants, but they're not performing. And there was never a place, even though some people actively dreamed of like, what could it be if there was like, what if you could have a survival job? What if you could have your day job be performing? Yeah, something you, know? you like. Yeah. I mean, that was, as a performer for so many years in LA, that was the biggest issue for me was that I yes auditioning yes doing shows at night which is obviously wonderful but in the meantime having these jobs like the job that Paige and I had which ultimately weren't fulfilling or didn't really use my skill set and so I I did see a bit of a hole in the market where if we could get those people to quit Applebee's or whatever nannying and can pay them competitively for what they're good at then I don't know. To me, that's like the best of all worlds. And then the actors can cover each other when something comes up. And, you know, there's kind of a mutual understanding in the staff as well. That's for sure. Like, yeah, if someone... And I think, like, the the good thing is is we've, we have created a, a family of sorts. And, like, you've already been building that family with all of your connections over time. But now, you know, we're all willing to cover each other. We all understand that we have lives outside of the motel. N- not so much the last few weeks of just trying to like get it open post pandemic, but you know, like w- we're respectful. Like if Claire got some big old acting role and she was starring in like the next like you know Scorsese film or whatever, like then I'm like Claire, awesome, thank you so much. We'll survive. We're gonna miss you. Like go nail it, or you know, vice versa. But I yeah. think now we've shifted into like. I think you've kind of shifted into like, actually, I like putting these, this world together and combining these things. And I I think your point, Noah, is a really great point. Like we set out to combine the worlds and I, I hadn't done a lot of immersive theater as a consumer. It's like not totally my thing. And part of it's because I'm a little scared to go to a sleep no more thing and might maybe be the person that's pulled aside for like a one-on-one and the woman's in a bathtub full of blood. Like I don't want that experience. That's not personally, I'm someone that goes into a retail store and I want someone to ignore me. So, but I had been to a couple immersive theater things and I liked elements of it. And of course, like, you know, I grew up in Florida with like Disney world, world land world. World. Oh God. Anyway, (laughs) I thought it would be interesting like to combine it and elevate the space. And I had been to Meow Wolf and I loved Meow Wolf, but then you turn to the people working at Meow Wolf and they can tell you nothing. Mm. They're not part of the story. They 
can sometimes if you get someone that's a little bit more educated there they'll be like oh go over there and read this thing or they'll give you a hint but a lot of the people just were kind of like standing around just monitoring the fact that we weren't destroying the place and i really wanted to create a world where our staff elevated the space we spent so many months designing and vice versa and like that the space gives our staff things to work off of like all of the things that that our tourists say because we have these tourists that float through the atrium and they've been stuck in the motel since the 60s they don't know that really but everything in this space like the things they say and come up with is all influenced by the space they're in so it's this really like symbiotic relationship and hopefully overall like the motel introduces people to immersive theater in a very like digestible way i find it interesting that like you you went to some stuff and you're like uh not this part of it for me but you you still want to be like building this right and putting putting all these actors in here so like what what is what is the what is the magic that you're chasing here right because like there's so many i mean you drive down hollywood boulevard and and I was about to say no shade on, no shade on. And and you see like the Museum of Illusions mm-hmm. and there's a line of people mm-hmm. like, you know, much like there's a line of people outside of Ripley's Believe It or Not, right? And that stuff survived the pandemic, was open during the entire pandemic because I know this wasn't just last last weekend, but I, the, the last time I drove down Hollywood Boulevard like four months ago, there That's was still crazy. a line, right? Like people kept these things open, did this stuff, you know, folks are, are packing in. I haven't done the Van Gogh thing, so I can't actually shade on the Van Gogh thing. But like, you know, th- these things are selling hand over fist. You didn't you didn't need to put humans in here. It's a lot cheaper not to. Disney's always trying to find a way to pull people out and replace them with robots, walking, mm-hmm. talking, grooting ro- robots. So, so yeah, why why this route? What are you chasing? What do you want, Paige? <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um Listen, there's a balance between making money, which I, you know, I have to do as a business owner with investors. I have to give investors a reason to sell enough tickets that, you know, a $3 million investment makes sense. And then there's the other side of it where like I'm a creative first and a business owner second. So I'm always going to be fighting to keep the creative intact and add to it and make the experience the best it can be. Even if that means my bottom line is you know what I mean like I it's a juggling act for sure but I think creative first business owner second is a strong suit in this space and you know we've had we've had people come in and write and they're like you know I've gone to the museum of illusions and like or whatever space I don't want to just single them out yeah and that was me doing that (laughs) but you can tell that it's not a $3 million build. And I think when you walk in here and you look at the space and you look at the amount of details, you can tell there was a, not just a lot of money put in the space, but a lot of love. It wasn't just for, to be a cash grab. And hopefully it can be both so that we can keep all the actors employed and we can still, as you know, our management team go and make more of these over throughout the country. And I think this space is so important now because we've all been trapped in reality for so long that it does feel like a nice escape and so I think that that's resonating with people but to answer your question I mean people just love weird things I love going to Ripley's believe it or not it's disgusting I love it <laughs> like I love the weird and the unusual I've always felt like um Lydia Dietzen Beetlejuice the weird and the unusual like that's just 
I think it resonates with people, like not knowing what to expect behind each motel door or just any door in general. Yeah. And I think the uh, the live element with the actors um, adds that depth that Oh, it's literally elevates. the single most important thing in the space. This space would oh, well. just be... Uh, no, it is. <laughs> like, I, I said to Claire, I think, opening week, because every single person that came out was like, I love the acting. I didn't know that was going to be a thing. Because, again, everyone's just expecting it to be another Instagram place. And you come in and you do have these immersive actors that are amazing and so funny and really build the world. And I said to Claire, week one, I was like, I can't believe that this was like an add-on thought. Because people want more actors. People that don't know they're coming to immersive theater, if they write a review... They'll say it was so fun. I wish there was more interaction. Especially after the year we've had, too. I think that um, is really satisfying for people to be, like, fully sucked into something where they can turn off the outside world. What have you What have you found? Because this kind of devising work is like always like an iterative process. What have you found that you've been iterating on with the performers? Like what's what's been the evolution of of the story and, and kind of what what they're doing? Because there's there's like a actually a deceptive amount of space in here. Like when you when you get through into the atrium, you might think it's one way, but it's actually it's actually another. And there's there's the tourists are out here, but there's there's space for them to roam. So I'm just wondering, yeah, I'm wondering how this is coming together and what's what's shifting. Without, you don't want to give away all the secrets, but yeah. like, you know. Well, initially, um, I think what we've done is started with like the bare essentials and we've grown it and grown it so far, like iterations wise, um, expanding the staff and adding more to the space. Um, but like pre-pandemic, we didn't have uh, like one of the rooms with our lab performer was not a performance space initially, but we saw through testing things that people had all these questions like we were able thankfully to have a, a dress rehearsal play test like back in in 2020 and there was still I think there were narrative points we needed to clarify and we needed to thread the needle a little more from mm. beginning to end because everyone has to go through that phase one of the experience everyone goes through and gets the same information and then at the very end they get that We've, we've like Bo sandwiched the storyline and then the right. meat in the middle is your time to explore the motel, what's happened in elsewhere. Yeah. So I think it's been a process of like tightening and clarifying on the front and back end and then filling out the middle. And the middle is the tourists that you're describing, the amount of space that we have to fill. Frankly, everyone wants adventure. to interact. Right, exactly. And because of the level of interaction, it's been so positively received. How do they balance that and hit multiple people when it's crowded in here um so i think the improv i mean they're all brilliant so i think they've figured out ways naturally to manage themselves but um yeah i think it's been like both a refining and a growing process depending on what phase of the experience you're in the, the sandwich structure feels really smart in particular because there are a lot of sandboxy immersive experiences that don't have a clear onboarding and a clear kind of inciting incident. And I'm seeing, I'm becoming very, con it's weird. Like the farther I travel in immersive in a weird way, the more conservative I get about story 
because when you rip away the map, all that's left for the individual is the compass and you plunge them in somewhere and like they don't, they don't know where they are, but they need, they need true North. And the thing you wind up finding is like, Oh, an inciting incident. The moment before you throw them off into act two so that they don't necessarily have to have the answers. They don't necessarily need to have motivation, but at least they can know what the F is going on. Yeah, exactly. Like we, we give them a little bit of the story why you're here, why the motel's here, what you're about to do. And when you need to leave, find door number seven. So to your point of true North, like door seven is your true North. And I think one thing to add to, you know, how we how we got here and the and Claire's point of you know refining things and adding and subtracting we know the story so well like I know I know what JP Sando likes to have for lunch because by the way I am JP Sando right like so the the fact of the matter is is when you start telling a story sometimes you know things that your audience doesn't know but you know it so well that you forget that your audience doesn't know it and and that's really with anything like even if you're teaching someone how to do something and you're like I don't know I I don't play piano so this is going to be a really bad way of explaining (laughs) this but like I'm teaching someone to play piano and I'm like okay so do x y and z and they're like well what's a key like some people don't even know the the basics of it and so when you try to explain something to someone whether you're teaching or a story you really have to go into I've never heard this story before so what points are confusing and what points aren't and the only way we figured out things that we could skip over and things that we could not skip over were to run it a few times and get some feedback of people being like what's elsewhere and we're like no elsewhere is like the weird portal that JP Sando discovered behind door and they're like who's JP Sando and we're like okay so JP Sando's in the motel area and they're like so this used to be a real motel like it just, if you keep asking questions, you realize, oh, I haven't even told you we're inside a motel. Right. Right? Like, to like that level of detail. Oh, like, yeah. you forget when you're the <laughs> storyteller to oh. actually tell the story. <laughs> yeah, no, because like, because you want to get to the parts that you want to mm-hmm. play with, right? You know, it's like, oh, yeah, no, I think that's, that's super, it's actually the most common thing in the world. I mean, a movie often you can tell a movie's failing because it's like, Oh, they got bored by the basics of their setup and they just like jumped over it. Mm-hmm. And like, they just want you to, they, they want you to like be where they are. And you're like, Oh, but who are the, why should I care about these people? Who is this? What's going on? And the, the mystery is fun, but it doesn't serve anyone. Like, mm-hmm. because initially there is some mystery behind the story and that's great. But if you keep it too vague and you don't want people to catch on to like, I think what we discovered is that just say it simply and quickly, like have the lab person say, you know, your job here is to explore and to forget everything outside for an hour. Like people will take that and run with it and they don't feel like it's clunky or like you're talking down to them. I think initially, like we thought we were going to be spoon feeding people the story. And then you realize, well, if you just throw them into, to your point, if you throw them into the middle of the story and you haven't even established where you are who the character the main character is like it's confusing and then not in a good way not in a weird mysterious way in a (laughs) not in an art way way. yeah it's like no you're just a bad storyteller so i'm gonna note here 
Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip into what could be slightly spoiler territory for folks. So if if you want to, you'll wanna you wanna skip over probably like two or three minutes, maybe 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 four. Um, because I wanted to talk about the opening scene, which I don't want people who haven't checked it out to like know too much about. But I noted when I came through that they, I was getting some Tower of Terror vibes off of the structure of it. And you said like, well, that makes sense because that's that was your favorite ride at Disney World. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if you could talk about taking just why going for that kind of setup and like what like how did, was that something you started with knowing like this was going to be like the starting or did you land on that structure? Because that opening scene is pretty clean in terms of onboarding people in. Claire, you can take more credit if you want to. Honestly, I am surprised by how good this space is because everything is... We didn't go into any single part of this entire experience knowing what we wanted it to end up as. Every day it was like we were building the fireplace. Spoilers coming. We were building the fireplace and we were like, well, what if we just kept it open and a maid popped out? And then we wrote that. Like everything was an idea leading to another idea to, okay, so, well, what would the maid say if she popped out? Or what needs to be in the room to get someone to look over there? Oh, let's put a clock on the chimney. Like, everything was so informative of the next thing. It was like, it was reverse engineered. Mm -hmm. Like the whole space. Pages, designs, and the walls were up before I came in. And then we realized, okay, well, we need to add a scene here, here, and here. What can we use in the room? And we, so we worked backwards in that way, for sure. Um, Structurally, 433 was always the first room that they walked through because the path was already laid out. Um, But developing like true onboarding, I mean, there were so many iterations before we even brought a professional writer in to like really hone the language. Because this is like, it's Claire and it's me and it's our, you know, our ops guy, Mike and our producer, Jeff and we're kind of all just sitting around and, you know, I think one thing around here we don't have is, is a lot of ego. So we would just have creative brainstorms all the time. Like Mike throws things out just as much as Jeff throws things out or I throw things out. Like this is a really collaborative team. So, you know, yeah, I guess I guess in my head somewhere, I haven't gone on Tower of Terror in probably 15, 20 years, but... I remember it making a really big impression the video. when I was little. Yeah, and like the video. And I loved Dharma Initiative in Lost because it was like, do I like this guy? Is he scary or are they not scary? These good people or bad people? I like not knowing things, but I also like spoiling things for myself. <laughs> so like there's nothing really that surprising. Like, you know, it's like, okay, we have a Beetlejuice moment of like the closet growing green we have uh, a time and space weirdness, like a la Interstellar. Like I'm definitely inspired by movies I love. And then, the, you know, I kind of tried to make the whole space feel a little like big fish y because mm. that's my favorite movie of all time. Like I like the whimsical and the weird. Yeah. We'll have, I to, will we'll have to like, it, have you like added at John August yet? No, about, but you need to. Let so. me tell you something. I think he's still in town. A person so. from. <laughs> An influencer came to one of our opening nights and she brought her friend who happened to be the set designer for Mad Men. 
which I didn't know. I was just telling him. He was like, yeah, I love this space. It's like so beautifully designed and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. And then uh, I was standing with them. I was like, oh, so what do you guys do? (laughs) And he was like, oh, I'm a set designer. And I was like, oh, on anything I would know. And he's like, yeah, Mad Men. And I was like, "Uh, like, you think what we did was cool? Like, you're literally the god of 1960s. Yeah. Like, uh, set design, you yeah. know? So Like, the people who made mid-century modern cool again. Oh, my gosh. You yeah, know. truly. Yeah. Um, in terms of that room 433, which is beautifully designed, um, we did, just back circling back to the onboarding thing, um, spoiler alert, in our video is Spencer, who's one of our actors playing J.P. Sando. We filmed that so early in the process. And then like a month later, realized we needed to hire a bunch of J.P. Sandos who could kind of pass as Spencer. Oh yeah, that was the other thing. We were like, wait, we showed everyone who J.P. Sando is and then we want oh. we want everyone to meet him at the end of their experience. So now we need... How much can Spencer work? 12, or, yeah, Spencer working from 11 to 11 on a Saturday? Like, I was actually happened? wondering that a little bit like i was wondering if you had like multiple versions of the video you just kept plugging in more no we thought about trying to figure that out but ultimately we thought about cutting like doing like a shadowy figure over him so you can't really see who (laughs) that was something that like we did early if you can't see him yeah exactly we didn't want it to be scary um and we we loved the video so much that we were like you know what we're just going to make the onboarding work and um you know hopefully I'm not wrong in this. People see him for about 30 seconds. They go through the experience. They meet JP and they're just willing to suspend that belief that it is the same person. But, you know, talk <laughs> about reverse of- engineering. We were like, do we have to <laughs> clone our actor? Like, yeah, no, the so whole- a lesson we learned for the next time. Like, isn't it truly amazing how great the space has turned out with little little full like little direction really like that's not true i mean it's not to say that we didn't work hard it's not to say that we didn't plan it's just to say that we were always flexible in fix this design to support the story or fix the story to support the design like we it's we kept pushing it 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 feels it is a lot more of an iterative process it's more of a devised theater it's more of like a game iteration design right like and that's that is inevitably going to feel kind of strange and uh, you know different to folks who are used to working. Maybe if you're used to working off a script or you're working with like everything serves like the brand, you know, it's like, look, we just got to make this Kia look cool. Right. You know, so like get me some hamster puppets and let's go. <laughs> the best right? commercial ever made. Yes. Um, so uh, like it, 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 this is still like uncharted territory. Right? Just the, the the idea of evolving, evolving what 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 do we call them now? Experiential museums is what we call them on on the site, because you know, because because things stopped being just selfie palaces, right? You know, and yet there's still there's still you know you'll go to you'll look at some stuff. Some and like, things yes, stopped being yeah, selfie yeah, palaces. Yeah, like there's definitely still a bunch of selfie palaces out there, but like the category as a whole couldn't be defined by those, right? Because you can you can see how there's this there's a family tree and Madcap's on it, and House of Eternal Return is on that same tree, but they're very different creatures. And Omega Mart is probably going to be another thing. I still haven't been to Omega Mart yet, but like like it's got something. And I know that like and I know that they. They've been evolving their like staff idea and like trying to pull their people into story, right? and you know, and they're also like they're 
the meow of people are trying to build an entire empire in the sense of like dis like a new disney yeah that's which is not, why it's a lot of disney people now who are building it, yeah exactly right? but like that's not what we're setting out to do we're not setting out to be you know the highest end piece of art or the most amazing full-on immersive theater thing you've ever seen we're trying to be this in between that makes it accessible to people that don't even know they like immersive theater you know someone that's like a me consumer that wants to go but i also don't want to be like hunted down if i'm not in the mood to have a 30 minute conversation with a character. Yeah. Like it set up so that if people, if people are invited to play, but they're not required to play. So choose your own adventure. Yeah. Truly. Um, and you know, I think something that's interesting is we do get compared to meow wolf a lot. Um, and I think to your point, yeah, we're definitely on a family tree. But we're totally different. Like I, we have a, an entire storyline, and uh, and the actors and the magic show. Like there's so many different pieces that I understand the comparison. Sure, we have a structure. They have a house. We have a motel. There's something weird that's happened in the house. There's something weird that's happened in the motel, and that's about it. Like Meow Wolf isn't the first people to do what they're doing, and but they have a lot of like Meow Wolf warriors. Like consumers that are just like, Meow Wolf is the only are the only people that can do what this what they're doing, and it's like, well, they're do they're doing what they also saw done, and they're interpreting it in a different way, and I think that's what we're doing here. Like, I consumed Meow Wolf, and I said, here's the parts I liked, and here's what I think could be added, and it doesn't. It's not a competition. It's yeah. like just because a movie's out, there's so many movies that come out each year. Just because you're a comedy and someone else is a comedy doesn't mean you can't laugh at both movie like i hope that if you like meow wolf that you also love madcap and if you love madcap i hope you go to meow wolf and you're like i love that too oh yeah yeah well i mean there's there's definitely a way in which i mean there's some things that are some things are going to be like disneyland and like they're going to bring people in from all over the world but even disneyland you know we've got two disneylands in america because we've got disney world we've got the magic kingdom and like the deep, deep Disney heads are gonna like be upset with me for doing that because like yes, I know how different the parks are, but <laughs> like, but they they serve they ser- can serve different markets and even Meow Wolf's finding a way to like serve different markets, but then like actually, in some ways like from a from a business standpoint, the interesting thing to look at is like the fact that when the Disney opened Star Wars Land on both coasts like within months of each other, and that both of them were they they probably could have gotten like better numbers in either of them if they had just limited it to one and made that or made them like different because they would have pulled people but they made the long-term bet that what they're really going to want to do is have something that's a stable platform to iterate on to just kind of keep bringing people through and entertaining them and even though the all the initial word was like oh no one's there and yada 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 they are pushing lots of people through those rides. They're making hand over fist, like in every single spot. We're not worried about them. Yeah, we're not. We're not. We're never worried about them. But this this idea that when you when you drive down Hollywood Boulevard and you see people lined up for the Museum of Illusions, again, no no real shit. I haven't been inside, so how can I know? But I know how big that space is. So like, meh, not so much. Uh, and that next to it are like two other things where it's like the upside down house and like something else. And that there's like now four or five things that are like in this wheelhouse, like, you know, this mode isn't going away. So now the question is how 
diverse how many different how many different types of experiences are going to be in this mode and the path that y'all have chosen by having there be performers as essential to it is is novel well and it's the one way to differentiate us because i think there are so many pop-up experiential museums quote unquote um and I've been to a lot because that's the business I'm in. So I go and I see everyone and, you know, that, yeah, there's things people do great and there's people, things people don't do very well. Um, and then there's things that are just terrible and it feels horrible to be having to share the description of experiential museum with them because what they've done is not what we've done. And so I think that's also my favorite part of having the actors I can say, oh, we're not just another selfie museum, but we were until we added the actors, even though it was more elevated. And I can sit here and say we spent more time and more money. And it's cl- like we were just an Instagram museum. So it doesn't matter if it's, you know, more aesthetically pleasing. Like we we were what that description is. And I don't know what we are because we're not just an Instagram museum and we're not sleep no more. Like we are something in between. And maybe maybe it all lives under experiential on different levels, right? Like there's good movies and bad movies. Oh yeah. I mean, I I was listening and I, I never go back and listen to old things, but I was listening to the piece I did for NPR about escape rooms back in like 2015. Um, you know, 6 years ago, uh, I was recording it like over the summer, it like aired in Octo- in October of that year. And that was the year when like I think LA maybe had like a dozen escape rooms in it and by at its peak i think la had something like 85 escape rooms or something ridiculous like like that just like they were everywhere and there there's there's still a lot of them there but like at the time it was like pretty much maze rooms and the basement and the basement which is still going and it's the horror one that's up in, in silmar uh it says maze rooms right and i think maze rooms is still going too i just got served some instagram ads good job maze room good good job maze room um wait like right now i didn't even see you look at your phone no um <laughs> I know we said it out loud, but, uh, but, and, and one of the things that like Caden, the, the owner of, of the basement said is like, you know, like, yeah, I mean like, he was like, I'm, I'm worried about people going to an escape room and being like, oh, this is, this is terrible. Like, you know, like for bad escape rooms, uh, being like a, a possible threat. And I know that in the first couple of years of escape rooms and, and, and as immersive was started like hatching out of the egg, that was always a concern for me of like, look, you know, people go go to a bad show or they go have a bad experience. They're never going to want to do this stuff. I think we've maybe at this point seen luckily one people have a lot more tolerance for garbage than we think they do. But also, um, but also like, you know, when something's good, people, people will flock to it and we don't necessarily have to be as worried about, you know, okay, there's a bunch of bad self museums. Somehow people keep on going to them. Because they're 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 chasing something, right? It's a different audience, that's yeah. for sure. And I, I think, you know, I hate as a business owner, I hate Google and Yelp. But as a consumer, if I'm on the fence about something and then I Google it and it has over four stars, that tips me over the edge. So if we've created a good enough experience, which I think we have, and we are over four stars on Google and Yelp, then it will. For consumers, it will write itself. Like people will know we're not a museum of illusions, or you know, whatever. I, I feel really bad. Museum no, of illusions. My, that's my people, fault. That's my fault. 
I Again. love you. <laughs> I don't know you, but congrats on what you're doing. You have a phenomenal business. You have lines. You have outside lines outside your in door. a pandemic. Yeah. Good job. It's cool. Good job. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is they're relying a lot on just foot traffic and quick consumer decisions of we're walking by. Oh, that looks fun. It's 25 bucks. Okay. A hundred bucks. Yeah. We're on vacation. Yeah. Well, let's go and just have fun. Right. And it is fun. And they're that, that family or those friends are going to get silly pictures and it's 30, 45 minutes and that's it. If you go and you read the reviews on Google and Yelp, you know what it is. Yeah. If you go read our reviews on Google and Yelp right now, it literally sent, Yelp wouldn't post our reviews because they thought we were paying people because the posts are so long and so detailed and so nice. Not all. We do have some <laughs> not nice people that really want their money back. But majority wise, like people are really spending the time to write these like really thoughtful reviews one because i think they've been trapped inside their house for a year <laughs> and they just want to review something so badly but two oh, i th- think yeah, they don't, know don't don't keep the yelp elite from doing something they're gonna they're gonna need to write truly so but also like w- i think people come into this space and they know how much care and time we've put into it like mm. it's you can see it and you can feel it and you can tell just from looking at it and then just from interacting with people like you feel it when you're in this space and I'm not just saying that because it's, you know, my business. Like, yeah. I really think you, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. Listen to the waterfall in the background. It's a vibe. <laughs> Aside from enjoying finally having this thing open, what are you looking forward to, you know, as the summer goes on and as we get into the back, the back half of the year? I mean... I think all of our brains are turning with a million ideas of ways we could do more. Um, Obviously expanding the staff is very exciting, but I've just been um, overwhelmed and on a daily basis astounded by our performers. And I think uh, something that we have that's really cool um, is we have performers from across the community. And so, you know, a big passion of mine is something I think we've tried to do with hiring is really and truly like getting performers from all the different theater companies but also bringing people into the immersive community and building in that way through our staff um so theatrically all my ideas involve like immersive jams and uh bringing everyone together to make art here or doing pop-up shows in the parking lot or just different ways we can give back to the artistic community and use the resources that are just there because of who we've hired, which thank you all for working with us <laughs> every day. Don't um, leave. But yeah, I think there's uh, opportunity to just build around who we already have, which is exciting. That's pretty cool. And then for me, um, I am excited to prove this concept and I think we're on our way there. We're coming off of three sold out weekends. Um, you know, we're, we are trying to run this for a couple of years. So it's definitely a marathon, not a sprint. But I, you know, kind of back to the Meow Wolf thing, like what they're trying to do is become like a, a real, like true entertainment company across all forms of media and consumption. I would love to have actual motels, weird motels. So that's my long-term goal, but I think 
just within the next few months. Like, I'm a big Halloween person. I would love to write a Halloween script with the team. and You're in the right town for it, let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, like I want to <laughs> do, you know, maybe more murder mystery, like Agatha Christie style than like horror horror. But I think it'd be so fun to reimagine this space in a more sinister light, which is funny because so many people ask if it's scary and it's not. You've been here. It's not at all. This would also be a really, on that Agatha Christie tip, this would be a really good space for a, a Knives Out style murder whodunit, you know, weirdo characters. And then, you know, just at Ryan Johnson and get him to come down. So <laughs> that would be really crazy. But yeah, like, is there, I don't know, is there programming that we add that isn't kind of back to business versus creative? You know, yeah, it probably doesn't make sense for us to totally change the space or blood splatter the walls or whatever. But can we do on a day we're closed, like a higher price ticket night where you come in and you get this character and you get kind of your backstory as a consumer? And, you know, we have these like kind of non for profit, but more for creativity kind of nights. Yeah. Yeah. Give people a residency. You know, that kind of thing, you know, like just explore some different models. And I think to like Claire's point, like kind of become what is so impressive about Meow Wolf is the community they built in Santa Fe. And when you go to Santa Fe, it is like everyone there is working for Meow Wolf. Like you're at the gas station and they're like, have you been to Meow Wolf? And you go in and get a burrito and the person's like, have you been to Meow Wolf? Like it's like a cult around there. And I would love. I mean, you're not wrong about everyone like, at one at their height, like like something like one in three people. <laughs> it wasn't that much, but it wasn't one well, in three people. It's a small town. Like it's really yeah. cool what they built. They were the largest single employer other than the government, and it's the seat of it's the the capital of. It's you know, crazy. Yeah. Like, that's insane. So that's really impressive. I don't think we're going to be that in Los Angeles, but I'd be a little hard. Are are we that in the creative community? Do we become? kind of that central hub where you know if you're an immersive theater you have worked at madcap or you do work at madcap or everyone already works here we found all of them (laughs) or like do we have enough programming that we become a meeting you know like a once a month you know uh, like cultural hub of creators and or like a you know mixers where like people can meet each other from the entertainment community and there's not really a place to do that anymore and like could that be the madcap motel We'll talk. (laughs) We'll see. Maybe. I think just playing in that space is already, you know, it's benefited both the community and us. And it'll continue to be this relationship that, yeah, I hope everyone wants to work here. I think they will. Come on down. Come on down to Mad Cam Hotel. We're always hiring. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's actually, that's probably... That's not a bad place to button, actually, because you guys are hiring. So We are hiring. Yeah. We hope to continue to hire. And, yeah, we hope to, you know, we're a small business, and we're just trying to dig ourselves out of 2020. And I think, I think Madcap and the team and the talent that exists inside these walls deserves to have a future. And the only way to have a future is to have more and more guests. So... Just, I'm thankful for people like you, Noah, that want to share people doing cool things and just, yeah, promoting us and letting people know we exist. Well, and I, and I, I do appreciate, I mean, there's, there's a hat I wear of like being a critic, there's a hat I wear of being a journalist, and there's also 
a hat I wear of being like a community activist for this community. And I do, I do appreciate how you've, you know, you're putting a lot of the actors to work and you're angling, angling yourself in a way to not just sort of parachute in and like start, you know, running the table, even though you'd like done stuff in New York before, but you've, you've gone grassroots here. And I mean, Claire's definitely, I'm sure helped with that because of the connections and, 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 you know, kept that, that baseline, but it makes a big difference. And particularly in a market as in a market like Los Angeles, it'd be very easy to just like ignore the community we already have and, you know, pull out elsewhere. And I think there's other folks who've done that, but it's, it's nice to sort of have that continuity. And we, I think, you know, from where I'm sitting, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate Claire because she's really the one. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's all serendipitous. Like, when I met Claire, I never, ever thought I'd have spaces like this. I mean, that was so far from where I, I was just doing, like, graphic design. I wasn't even doing, like, you know what I mean? It was so far from where I thought I would ever be or what I would have the chance to do. And to the point of collecting people, like it's good to just call someone up and then like now she's tapped into her whole Rolodex. And now it does become this. And all our new hires are referrals from people within the community, which is such an incredible resource. If I knew 10 solid people and they all refer me, you know, people who've worked at Disney or people who have moved from other cities who are new to town who want to get involved like I have had to do very little outside searching which is shocking but I would love to hire as many people as possible that was the whole goal initially was to give actors jobs that they liked so I mean and how cool too coming off of 2020 to be able to hire actors I mean I know how shitty it felt to be called a non-essential worker because essentially my business was called non-essential for over a year like, that's really devastating. That's, like, a really big, like, identity. Uh, I don't even, like, an, what would you even call that? Like, an Crisis. identity <laughs> attack. Like, it was, like, an attack against my identity. Because I feel like I am essential. And this business is essential to create happiness and community and story building and storytelling. And so to be able to, at the at outside of 2020 get so many actors back in a space doing what they love interacting with an audience again like it's a gift both ways I feel like I feel lucky I feel lucky that we're breathing <laughs> that we're yep. like true actually truly I, I kind of meant that more so from perspective of like business but the fact that we're all sitting here talking yeah on a podcast yeah is in the microphones across from each other in a room with our masks off. It's thrilling. It's, it's thrilling. It's <laughs> It's a privilege. It's a abs- it's an absolute privilege. There you know there this, this podcast is not listened to by huge numbers of people, but there are people not inside this country who are like like who be like oh, you guys right now. But yeah. um yeah, it's it's kind of amazing that we're here. It's it's a it's a minor miracle in and I'm I'm really glad that the motel got to open. You can't kill elsewhere, baby. (laughs) Elsewhere will exist no matter what.
isn't it just nice to be in a space with people? It is. Um, it really is. <laughs> That's almost like all I have to say. It's just like done. We're done. Uh, thanks again to Paige and Claire for being our guests on the show this week. And if you are in Los Angeles, I do recommend uh, you go check out what they've got cooking down at the Madcap Motel there in the Arts District. There's a lot of stuff going on in the Arts District right now. Of course, uh, Two-Bit Circus is opening back up. Um, if you are a connoisseur of the website, you know that there is another show that is staged really close to Madcap Motel. Uh, that would be Fetiche, uh, of which we have a review up this week on the site. Uh, it is a kink-themed uh, immersive piece uh, from... Uh, uh, the dominatrix Miss Lila Sage. Uh, that's something that uh, Juliet and I also talk about on this week's review crew. If listening to reviews is your thing, so there's another another plug for that. Um, and yeah, like it's uh, it's we're in a really interesting moment where things are starting to like just begin to like relax back open a little bit. Um, th- th- this is such a critical time right now, particularly this weekend, Memorial Day. Uh, because you can really feel the tide sort of shift uh, here in the States. And I, I know that, you know, there's there's actually, like, in Australia, like, there's another lockdown going on. I think Taiwan had its, like, biggest numbers yet. So, like, you know, on a planetary scale, we're far from over with the pandemic, which is just infuriating. And we, I know I'm, I follow the news very closely. So, like, it's it's still, things aren't great. Things aren't great. But there's this little, little Kryptonian crystal of hope. Uh, he's got the little, it's got the Superman shield on it. So he means hope uh, out there, and that is watching the the, uh, the live immersive stuff start to like stretch its legs and open back up, and you know discover itself. And that's really been feeding me with a lot of, of energy to make some adjustments and changes and, and take things in new directions and get ourselves ready for the summit, which will be in January uh, 7th, 8th, 9th in Pasadena. Uh, tickets will go on sale in uh, August for that. Uh, late August, probably. Um, I don't have an exact date yet. I'm, I'm announcing this stuff as I'm figuring it out. Um, we're, we're, anyway, I don't have a rant in me. The coffee's not working yet. So, uh, nevertheless, it's, it's really good to, to do this stuff in person again. And I've got a couple more in-person interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks and we'll still be doing a lot of interviews online. Um, mostly cause we're, you know, we're used to it now and we can talk to people anywhere in the world, which is great. Um, but, uh, the, being able to be in the space, being able to hear that water <laughs> that didn't make anyone want to pee. Uh, you can pause. Hope you pause the podcast or not. I, I don't know. You can, you, I, I can't judge. I listen to podcasts everywhere. Um, so anyway, I'm just, I'm rambling. I'm going to shut up. Uh, let's, let's do the credits. Uh, Oh, um, a couple more things to check it on the site though. Uh, you know, we have been really busy on the site of late. In fact, I think that May might be the most reviews we've ever done in a single month, and I'm not even counting uh, the the uh, the rundown, which comes out every week, which has a bunch of reviews. I just mean like individual full reviews. We had like 16 on the site this month, um, which may very well be a record. Uh, functionally, every other day we we put up a review. Uh, that's a massive pace for us. 
And it's a sign that this is not slowing down and quite the opposite. And then when you add in all the stuff, when you add in the, the capsule reviews, like we're easily hitting like 30 plus reviews um, that are readable on the site right now, just from the past uh, month's worth of content. Right. Um, it's, it's a, it's a you know, reviews aren't the only way that we do coverage. In fact, uh, the newswire this week, uh, there's, uh, the announcement of the, uh, short documentary that was made out of, uh, ceaseless funds. Uh, everyone agrees it's about to explode, which had its grand opening and grand closing on March 12th of last year. Uh, you know, the, the day the world shut down, uh, the day the United States shut down. Um, look at that. Look at that American, the world. I try and correct myself, but I can't. I was, <laughs> I was raised in the eighties, baby. Jingoism all the way. Right. You know, it's just, it's deep down inside. Um, anyway, you can find that in the newswire. Uh, I'll put a, put a link in the show notes and, um, yeah, if you, if you're, I'm sure the people listening to this podcast are regulars on the site, but for the two of you who maybe aren't, who just go, I just listen to the podcast. I don't want to look at the site. Look at the site. Go look at the site. There's so much right now. So much. There's going to be even more. Uh, and like I said, the number one way you can help us if you, if you really like what we do is just share stuff. I guess we bring the baseline up. Like we're, we, we do, I don't like, I don't like, you know, chilling for the Patreon because we actually have a pretty good ratio, right? As crowdfunding goes, you want about a 10% conversion rate, you know, and, and we're under that. Like, I think we're probably like 8% right now. So we got some work to do on the conversion side of things. Um, but you know, I also, I'm, I'm squeamish about it. So like, of course I'm at 8% and not, and not 10%. But the other way about it is like getting more people in the door. And that's the one I get excited about because as we get more people in the door, we get more people discovering stuff. As we get more people discovering stuff, um, that helps out all the creators who are making good work. And it's a, it's that, that positive equilibrium that, uh, that, that virtuous circle that I want to get us into. Um, so like I said, if you can, the rundown's a great thing to share. Um, we're also, we're also working on the podcast, uh, and going to make it even more shareable in, in the, uh, not recent future. Pod, it's weird. Podcasts shareable. Yeah, they can be. You do them right. Have we been doing them right? Mm, that's debatable. All right. Enough of me by far. Uh, I, I've behind the scenes do, um, way more than I was, than I was planning on. The music for no Persinium is by Chris Porter of the speakeasy society. No Persinium is brought to you by our brilliant Patreon backers, who you can join at patreon.com slash Our sustaining backers are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Sidney Guillory, Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Emily Gillette, Samuel Mustry, Brittany, and Elaine. You can find everything we do at nopersinium.com and our listing site, everythingimmersive.com. Um, that's it. I'm Noah Nelson, and until next time, I'll see you at the show.